Hello and welcome to Roma Happens Podcast, episode 15, where we discuss Roma after uh, the most amazing loss of the season to Sevilla in the finals of Europa League. Roma fails to qualify for Champions League, and the rest is history. Or, well, history probably won't remember this season at all. Um, I'm joined here by Char, as usual, and my name is Greaves, and we have a special guest to which or to whom we'll get in... A moment. I first wanted to have a small rant. By the way, hi, Char. Char. Hello? The floor is yours. Start your rant. Char? Why isn't it working? Why isn't what working? My microphone. You figure out now it's not working? I said hi. Shut up. So, the it summary would be the... a Roma Happens introduction without me just fucking up for some reason. Now, I don't it? want to edit again. It's moved past editing. So, the small rent. Um, the Friedkins came in, hired Pinto, and uh, fired Fonseca in March to bring in Jose in the end of the season, giving him two months of work with a squad that didn't care to try anymore. Uh, instead of backing the coach and then, you know, announcing Jose's arriving in May or June or after the season ends. Um, we finished that season with six losses, three draws, three wins in the final 12 matches. Um, that same year, Loma, Roma lost to Spezia, Loma, 4-2 in Coppa Italia in overtime. That was a famous game where we used six subs instead of five. The only Coppa and the only league in Europe that's using five subs instead of six. So death loss was 3-0. Uh, four days after, Roma responds by going up 3-1 against Spezia. And somehow Spezia manages... That was a team that was led by Italiano, the coach. Um, they managed to get a equalizer in the 90th minute. And Roma, everyone thinks that we've surrendered, we're done. Another disappointment? No. Two minutes later, Pellegrini scores because Roma just went all-out attack. That, that was just a beautiful... We relaxed for 40 minutes that game. And then players were like, no, we are winning this. And then suddenly everybody had another gear, some spare energy, and they pushed for a win. Something we have not seen since. Um, Pinto, on the other hand, uh, managed to start his tenure by saying that Zaniolo is the focal uh, point of Roma, that this, he's the, the building block. Um, after Zaniolo recovered from his injuries, Pinto slapped a 60 million price for him, despite him not playing for two years. Uh, refused to negotiate his salary to anything that would put him in top 11 earners in the team. He was on 1.7 million at the time, I think 14th highest. Um, then, when um, Zaniolo basically kept asking for a contract extension the entire first Jose season, uh, Pinto refused and slapped a 50 million price on him despite Zaniolo scoring the winner in Conference League. And the um, hat-trick was against Bodo Glimt. Uh, not the best season for Zaniolo, but could have been way worse, I guess. He came through clutch when it was needed. And then in September, Zaniolo finally gets contract extension offer, to which he says no. Um, the whole thing happens where he refuses to train. Uh, fans show up in front of his house and try to burn it down. He leaves Rome, or doesn't. Nobody knows. And then 
says that he is ready to give himself back to Roma's uh, disposal, that he will do anything for Roma, and then uh, then he gets sold <laughs> in the middle of fucking winter. And the, the, the replacement was Ola Solbakken, who could only play Serie A, not Europa League. Um, and basically, he couldn't play for the first three months because he was inexperienced and had no idea how to play in Serie A. So amazing from Pinto, honestly. Um, then we have Zaniolo being the player who was the most try-hard player on our team. His jersey was consistently different color from every other player on our team due to sheer amount of sweat because he just kept running. Those runs were mainly like runs of a headless chicken crossed with a headless fly. But still, he put in the effort and he was trying, unlike that can be said for most of our team. Um, we also had Pellegrini um, kind of rolling on the floor for two seasons, yelling at the referee on the grass, whatever. Very similar to Tatum. <sighs> Fucking Tatum. We had Cristante yelling at our teammates, despite him being often the guy who makes mistakes. And we've had Smalling losing one-on-ones despite being our best defender. That is my summary of this season. Back to the episode. Today we have Malt, uh, or the Malteser, Malteser, I don't know how to pronounce that. The um, guy who made the Discord server. Hi Malt, how are you today? Hello, good afternoon, I'm great. <laughs> made the Discord server is an understatement. He also made the uh, AS Roma subreddit. Really? Uh, both are actually untrue, I didn't create either of those. What the shit, dude! <laughs> yeah, I, I I joined the Reddit like 10 years ago. Like, I joined Reddit just for the sub, and I have been there kind of ever since. Um, mm-hmm. But it was not created by me. And the Discord was also not created by me. It was created by, say, Sempre Unica. And uh, he, after a bit shout of out. like... Yeah, shout out. Um, after a bit, I was like, nah, I actually don't use Discord much. Why don't you take it over? I'm like, sure, okay. In fact, if, if he ever joins again, he's got a special green uh, title. He's the only one who's got like a green name. That is awesome. I'm just trying to scroll through Discord to see if he's still there, actually. Uh, I don't think so, That's but right. it might be like an inactive account or something. Might just if, you go, if you go to the like role section, um, there's a role called founder, and it's green. And that's, only one mm. that's nice. That is nice. But basically, yeah, you you've kind of run I've the Discord server. Yeah, you've been yeah. around. I I've I've left Discord server three different times. It's not even close to the record of mangoes, uh, due to arguments <laughs> with special people that are now my actually really good friend. Like I'm really close with Trax, and I left Discord like three times because of Trax, as he was a toxic asshole. But now I love talking to him. Uh, but yeah, um, I think Mangos holds the record for leaving yeah. the server 75 times so far. But uh... a lot. <laughs> nah, it's 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 more like 12. Um, Not even shout 12. out to Mangos. We like miss you. What? It's like three. He hasn't left. Fuck that off. Many. Hey, are you saying I'm lying? It wouldn't be the first time, and it won't be the last. <laughs> True. So, um, 
I guess we kind of have to ask you, Malt, how did you become a Roma fan? Just like a real quick rundown. I don't want to go into like, tell us your life story. No, but like, just how did you become a Roma fan? Where, what did you, how did you hear of Roma? Yeah, uh, no, it's, it's very simple. Um, I'm originally from Malta, uh, which for people who don't know is a really small, tiny island just off of Sicily, like 80k south of Sicily. And uh, yeah, although there is football in Malta, it's not very good. We have, in fact, no players of note. Um, um, and my, I have family who's from Rome. And when I was a kid, basically I had no really any footballing influence from parents, friends. Or like, I, I did jump around based on what my friends supported. But like, as a strong-willed eight-year-old, I was like, no, I'm going to support Roma because my family is from there. And it's all been downhill from there because all my friends supported like Juve, Inter, Man United. Like I could have celebrated so much, but so later on was permanent. You 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 joined the pain train. Uh, so why not Lazio? Why 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 actually Roma? Because if your family is from Rome, could have gone either yeah, way. Right? The thing is, no one talks about Lazio as a like. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird like you live in Rome you don't live in the region of Lazio you live in Milan you don't live in Lombardia or whatever so yeah like I didn't even know Lazio existed at that point so right 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 okay that makes sense um so actually could you tell us more about Malta like is there a connection with Italy what kind of culture is it is it like close to Europe is it close like Anything you can tell us about Malta that just like describes it in two sentences for those who have never heard or have been there. Uh, all I know about Malta is that there's a lot of people from Serbia there, usually running nightclubs, um, questionable people, and that a lot of companies go there to not pay taxes. Yeah, that's um, very accurate. Uh, so it's, it's a <laughs> European country. Um, so it's like member of the EU and Schengen and all those fancy stuff. Um, it's very small. Um, it's so the island of technically it's called the islands of Malta because there are three, mm, two, and another two. Uh, but the main one is like thirty k long by like fourteen k wide, so not very big. And on that there's around half a million people. Um, it's it's as I said like eighty k ninety k of the southernmost point of Sicily. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the culture is obviously very Mediterranean. It's a Mediterranean island, but we take after a, a lot culturally after the Italians. So we're notoriously always late. We're always very loud. We use our hands a lot to speak. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're a, maybe a bit rude. Uh, we go to the, to the beach a lot. Um, it's very hot. It's very hot. It's very hot. It's also very hot. Um, and, is it uh, humid type of hot or like also tolerable? Humid, yes. Oh fuck! No, no. I mean, I'm, right. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a long distance runner, and before I left for Austria, because now I live in Austria, um, I used to train in like 42, 43 degree heat at like midday. So, and like Jesus near Christ. the beach. Yeah, no, it's it's brutal. It's not it's not the nicest to train in, but. Yeah, it's nice. And now it's, yeah, to mention on the taxes part, um, as all small islands do, they have to take on money from questionable means. Um, and we did that by reducing like corporate tax. So basically it's a bunch of gaming companies um, which pay little to no taxes, a lot of immigration. 
and a lot of um, a lot of illegal human trafficking from the east of Asia. So it's 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 a very nice place. If anybody wants to go through the like current problems of Malta, there's a lot. <laughs> I can definitely see why why uh, Serbs love going there. We we, we immigration, love you say. Char is looking to emigrate to Europe. I'm not sure human trafficking is the way to. I don't know. I can no. cause a human traffic jam. <laughs> Have you seen me try to get off a subway? It ain't pretty, bud. It's actually very easy to immigrate. They accept everyone. There is jobs, whatever you can do or want to do. So it's English speaking. So that's maybe the. I, I mentioned a lot of the negative parts, but maybe the positive parts are. It's a native English-speaking country, so it makes it very easy for people to immigrate in. Um, and uh, so we actually speak two languages. We speak English natively and a uh, local language called Maltese, uh, which is a mix of English, Italian, specifically Sicilian, Italian, and Arabic. It's actually the, like, the only Semitic language spoken by a European country. Uh, because again, if you go back into the history of Malta, we were under the Arabs, and then we were under the French, and then we were under the English and the Italians, and everybody influenced a bit their language, uh, or rather, everybody uh, influenced our what is today our language. So it's a big so, mosh pit of history. Is is Malta a place where Templar knights come from, or was that just a myth? No, no, it's true. That, that it's true. That is awesome. So then where uh, did the assassins and Enzio Auditore come from then? Florence. Oh, I don't know. I never <laughs> played that game. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a myth. Um, but there is actually like a funny uh, video of some Maltese guy trying to be the Templar, the Templar Knight on YouTube and all that. That's why I said it's weird. Um, okay. Called, he calls himself the Templar Knight. Link in the description. Uh, wait, yeah, have, right, never mind. <laughs> if, if you can find me that clip, I'll actually put it in the description of this episode. Um, okay, cool. That's 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 very nice. When you said long distance runner, I'm just thinking, hang on, did you just say the island is 13 by 14? He runs yeah. it every day like Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, we did that once. Or rather, my friends did that once. So the, as I said, the main island is like 30k by 14k with a circumference of 150k. And the second island has a circumference of 50k. And my friends did the circumference of both. So they did like 190. Mm-hmm. 190. Um, but I actually have like a heat map of all the roads that I ran and I've basically covered all of it. So Cool. When did you move to Austria? Did you get to go to a Salzburg game to trauma play it? Yes. Uh, I moved to Salzburg like just over a year and a half ago. And I was lucky enough to get the ticket. Unfortunately, I was in the home end, of course, because the away tickets are all taken by season ticket holders. Um, but yes, and that's... Um, ironically, now I've only watched one Serie A game, like four years ago, I'd like to say, uh, or maybe more, against Pal. And uh, three Europa League games, and my record is not great. The win against <laughs> Pal, a draw against Wolfsburger, a loss against Salzburg and Sevilla. So. Oh my God, we drew with Wolfsburger. Oh my God. Yeah, it was delayed. It was depressing. I mean, we've lost to the Goddard, so <laughs> whatever. 
we lost some Roman. guys who are ice farmers in some town called Glimt and Bodo. They can't farm ice melts. You can't farm it. Yeah, you can. You take a little bit of water and you grow it in your freezer. Or in their case, they grow it outside. <laughs> we tied with Wolfsburg twice. Oh my god, it's an Austrian Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the, the home game was Nelen, and I was there. <sighs> so if your record's not great, how can we get you season tickets to a Lazio game then? Please <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a sacrifice. That way Roma can finish higher than Lazio. Lazio will be relegated. You don't, even, you don't even need to get questionable tattoos. You can you can just yeah. get temporary ones. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So um I don't know. Did <laughs> I want to talk about the 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 defeat in the finals, but that's just going to be a depressing topic. I I, I hate it. What did you guys make of it? Did Roma deserve to win, or did we just lose rightly? I think it was an even game. Like if you look at the stats, um, to try and take a like qualitative view, um, we had yeah, it seemed like we played worse. But to me, it felt like we had all the better chances. So I don't think we deserve to lose, but I don't think we did enough to like win win. Like it definitely wasn't the Roma against Feyenoord the one the game we won four one. Like that was a really good game. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. Once you get to penalties, it's really fifty fifty. But yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of a few issues with the choice of penalty takers. I don't know how 15 minutes from the end you decide to remove Pellegrini to put on El Sharawi and then not have him take your penalty. And instead you put in Mancini and Nebanez. Like Mancini was dead. Like you could <sighs> see him every time he had like a tackle or something. He would like, like you could see he was almost invisible pain. And like he'd look at the other center backs, be it Ibanez or Patricio or Smalling and be like, do them done, do them done. And then said you yeah. go and put him on. So I'm like, if you, by the way, if you can hear my child screaming in the background, it's happy screams. Don't worry, he's not being slaughtered. Uh, he's like literally three rooms away, and you can still hear uh, whatever. Um, everyone, when Pellegrini was coming off, everyone was like, "Oh my god, yes, but like take him off." Yeah, he's 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 shitted penalties. Fuck yeah, we forgot about this. And then defender, why def- why, just why? Like they get, they had right ideas about executing penalties, but none of them like shooting straight down the middle is fine if you do it slowly. You don't bolt it as hard as you can because the goalkeeper doesn't have time to get off this fucking line. Like you make it slow so that the goalkeeper lands by the time the ball arrives. Uh, just whatever. I don't know. I, everyone has an issue with that except extreme Jose fans who just find the best excuses you'll ever hear. Well. Last time Stefan El Sharabi took a penalty was back when he was in Milan, and that was 11 years ago. When is the last time Mancini took a penalty? Or Ibanez? Yeah, yeah I mean, to, to his credit, I think Ibanez was quite good. Like, I think Bono, yeah. Bono played him well. Like, he was really pointing to where he was going to shoot it. Um, and I think the Ibanez one was a bit unfortunate. Uh, because, as I said, it was a good pen. Uh, Mancini's... Yeah, as I said, like if you, if Mancini had just come on and at least he was fresh and like knew what he 
or where he was going to shoot rather than thinking of like when is this going to be over then maybe it would have been a good decision but unfortunately the guy was dead you could see that he was dead so i thought cristantes was the was the best actually which is surprising because i had my doubts about cristantes well you remember the last time he took a penalty yeah I was like, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna rebound it off the post, and somebody's gonna <laughs> else is gonna score. <laughs> what was that? What game? Was... Jesus, what game was Maybe that? He's getting slaughtered. Oh, oh shit! He's... I forgot. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there was a game where <laughs> Cristanto was taking a penalty, and Char says, "Gee, I wonder how he's gonna backfest this," <laughs> and he fucking <laughs> hits the post <laughs> and he just bounces off the bove. Oh yeah, my god. Yeah. It was a yeah, Europa but... League game as well. Sorry. No, it wasn't. No, it was a league. It was a league. Um, no, but I, I, I think um, to me it also puts under Christian a bit the mentality of some of the players like Belotti. Like I think Belotti, as far as I remember, was the penalty taker for Torino. Like at least do something this season. And he even shied away. I don't know if they're like point of view was like, ah, oh, we need our best penalty takers on position number four and five, but like, yeah, I don't know. The the, the decision to play, uh, to, to have Mancini and Nibane shoot number two and three was questionable to say the least. Do you, uh, do you think that it was Jose's call or did the players themselves decide? From what I, I... I'll, I'll say why I'm asking, because on Roma subreddit, Somebody was trying to argue real hard that Jose doesn't pick this, that players step in and say, no, 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 I'm taking the penalty, and then they argue over it. And I'm like, since I was a kid, I've had the impression that coach runs onto the pitch and then yells at the players who's taking which shot, and they just have to take it, that's it. They have to listen. But apparently that might not have been the case. It's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. Um, the, you hear a lot, multiple times, that... Um, it's it's a feeling thing. That's like uh, it's not uncommon to have managers ask the players like who's up for it, and typically it's the penalty takers and the senior players who like put their hand up. And I think oh, my memory. I mean, I wasn't alive back then, but it's also one of the reasons um, in the Champions League final in what was it eighty three. I think it was one of the reasons why Graziani did not take a penalty, something like that. And instead of him, the fifth penalty taker was also some like weird taker who shot it against the goalpost, something like that. So it's a mix of both. It's a mix of both. And in fact, again, for all his faults, if Mancini did volunteer to take the penalty, props to him because, as I said, the guy was dead and still was like, nope, I'm going to lead this team and take a penalty, even if he fucked it up. Di- my god diving into <laughs> i'm gonna have to edit half this episode uh diving into that topic that you just mentioned is mancini the leader on this team is he someone to look up to or is he just one of the whatevers one of the yeah, guys but... with a stronger personality and that's it you have a lot of leaders in the squad like famously totti was always a silent leader he was more the guy who on a bad game would put his arm around you and like tell you to like head up and or before a game give you like two or three words of wisdom um and then you have those people who have the strong personality definitely mancini looks or comes across more as the latter and from what i can understand again for all the shit he and cristante get um, all managers seem to trust them. 
Manchi and uh, Cristante, especially also with the national team, he's got at least a small part to play with the national team. Mancini, I believe, less so. But under Fonseca, both of them were also almost immediate starters, right? So I don't know. Mancini sometimes does some questionable things, but I don't know. I guess it's it's all we have. I mean, I really liked Pellegrini under Fonseca because he was a monster. He played non-stop, he pushed non-stop, he, he was still himself in like slow decision-making, slowing down the attacks, kind of making, trying to do too much with the pass. Instead of just laying it off to a free player, he just tries to do something, and you're like, yeah, if our player was Usain Bolt, he could maybe get that knot. Uh, but like, Borja Mayoral cannot get on that pass, dude. Like, why would you just not simplify? But he was scoring. He was creating for himself. He was taking shots. I don't remember the last time Pellegrini shot at a goal. Like, not even from a free kick. It, I don't. I don't know. Um, we definitely, in my opinion, we definitely missed Pellegrini in the like last three, four, five minutes of of stoppage time and extra time, where those Zaleski free kicks and corners were going everywhere except to our centre backs. <laughs> like okay, the, I think the real last one, Smalling headed it and it hit the post, but the rest of them were like not taken well. Right. Uh, well, with Pellegrini, I felt like at least felt like he was connecting or getting close. So yeah, right. Is that is that the baby scream? Uh, Char, is that the Udinese game? That is the Udinese game. Udinese game, yeah. Cristante back past the penalty. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Cool. Thanks, thanks for the find. So, Char, what do you make with the finals? You even you even made your bosses uh, put you on permanent home restraint to be able to watch the game. Do you regret it? it? I don't well, know. It would nice. It would have been nice if uh, they told me that they changed my schedule around because then I would have <laughs> actually gone to said game. Even if I didn't have a ticket, I would have hung out in Budapest. I don't give a shit. Yeah, apparently uh, all of the all of the things that I read about and heard about that's happening, it wasn't happening. There was no issues, no incidents, nothing. Except uh, the one where the referee got... Never mind. But uh, yeah, no Serbian people caused any chaos. It's weird. It's really fucking No, weird. there were, there were. There were. Oh, really? Yes. So apparently, like, one rogue Roma fan fought with one rogue Sevilla fan. Like, okay. it was one-on-one. And then there were some fans from Raklav in Poland um, who came to Budapest to find the Savira fans. And this is also, <laughs> like, a, a very well-documented story. It's been going almost, like, 10 years. Savira fans told their banners. And then... Um, uh, so there was a Rokla fans and the Uypesh fans, which are like a local team in Budapest. <laughs> and one of them has a very long story of like they stole their they stole their banners and then they used to go to various European uh, cities to fight with the Sevilla fans. And then the Sevilla fans like posted a photo mocking them with their like banners and telling them we're here in, in Sevilla, whatever, come and find us here and fight us here. And pff, it was the whole thing. But yeah, the Roma fans were as well behaved as they could be. Let's put it that way. Until the airport, on the rough. <laughs> so wait, no, I was reading, uh, like basically, I was reading comments on some Serbian forums and Facebook groups that they are getting ready to go to Budapest and uh, uh, attack Roma fans again, and that they're going to cause chaos and shit. And I was like, Char, maybe not the best idea to go to Budapest, man. Trust me. <laughs> and apparently, nobody from Serbia went. Maybe they were just 
banned from entering Hungary, which is it's uh I think it's Krakow. Krakow? That's who it is. Yes, that's who it is. Might they be. have a thing. Or no. Ooh. I had uh, no idea, but that's fascinating. Also, never mess with Polish. Ever. Don't mess with the Polish people. It's these Just... guys. Hold on a minute. Okay. So I got copy paste. Sure. Um, Malt, you were yeah, at the game, Roslov. right? Yes, I was. Yeah, Roslov. Um, where were you? What was the experience like? Tell us anything that came to mind. Anything memorable happened at the game except the penalties, except the game itself. Did you yeah, guys get to so... see Dot or something? <laughs> No, no, unfortunately not. Um, so I was actually very lucky. I managed to get a ticket at like Friday 8, 9 p.m. Um, obviously, there was never a chance that I was going to get one through the Roma website because of like all the season ticket holders and stuff. I actually tried to join the virtual queue and I was 38,000. <laughs> so that was never going to happen. And the, like both me and my girlfriend had signed up for the UEFA ticket thing. And last Friday, um, my girlfriend was showing me some email and I grossed her phone and like went back to like her inbox. And I was like, ah, oh, you've been selected for the final pick. Um, and we tried to get a ticket, like we choose the category and it says, no, it's not available, but different categories come up. It was like, it was not easy. And finally <laughs> I managed to get one. So, and my girlfriend really wanted to attend, but I'm like, yeah, there's no chance you're going, I'm going. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I would have tried to get two, but the, the second I purchased mine and then I went back to rebuy, they were like, nope, we're out. So I was really at the end. Um, and no, no I, I mean, I'm, I sorted out accommodation um, and trains. It cost me 100 euros each way for like Jesus. five hours on the train. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, it was nice. I got to Budapest and I went to the fan zone. Um, like 30 minutes before I was at the fan zone, the new CEO apparently was there. So I didn't manage to... Lina Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to try. The Greek lady. Yeah, the Greek lady, the new CEO. No, and then I went back, fresh back to like my accommodation, freshen up a bit, back to the... The fan zone was quite a decent, like, um, like vibe. They got like Perrotta and I forgot who else. Um, ah, Ricitelli, Ricitelli, and then I think I saw Candela in the UEFA fan zone. And then at like, what was it? Like half five, quarter past five, we started the march to the stadium, and yeah, there were a lot of flares, a lot of flares, um was nice it was nice to be around the roman dialect as well which is maybe weird to say and yeah. a, a small anecdote which is maybe a bit weird the italian or the roman way of describing women specifically is so weird that they like it's funny because they always compare like i met so many people talking about women like and i was like oh I went to dinner with that woman last time. She had crystal clear blue eyes and like really long and smooth blonde hair. It's like they always compare against something. And I'm like, like just say she had like blue eyes and blonde hair. Anyway, <laughs> and then once we were doing the walk to the stadium, there was like some Hungarian woman. 
and I swear, uh, like a uh, like a group of like five Roma fans like stopped, turned around, and they were describing this woman like in in, in the smallest inches. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, oh, she's got the body of a god, a female god. And obviously, this woman's not understanding anything because she's local. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's so weird, and also the insults. So when the game ended, um, we all tried to like leave, and they told us to go through another gate. We got basically to the end, and this guy didn't want us to leave from that gate. He was like, "No, other gate, whatever." Italian speaking, Italian as always, as if everyone uh, understands their language, and this, they were trying to communicate. And then just someone just pushed the gate, and it opened. And one Roma fan was like, so like he was walking away from the gate. And I, I swear he spent like a good 30 seconds insulting this guy. And he was like, ah, oh, no one cares about you. Um, you you sad. <laughs> and then he called him an obelix. You know, like the Asterix and yeah. obelix guy. <laughs> Purely because this guy was had gray hair and he was fat. He was like, oh, fuck, look at him, cool, Atenas. Say an obelix, say, say an obelix. And I'm like, is that an insult? Like, fat and gray hair. <laughs> So no, it was great. It was lovely, really lovely. Um, but no, a really nice, cuddly guy who's just a best person you can have. Also, strongest person in the world. How is that an insult? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know. I really don't know. But he, I think he called him an obelix like five times. Jesus. Um, yeah, and then in the stadium, it was nice. The guy next to me cried when we when we scored. Um, and he was like really nervous. Like I was nervous, but at least I could sit down. This guy never sat down the whole game, and he was like pacing up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, yeah, the 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 fans were fine. And since I got a ticket on the we- on the from the UEFA website, I was kind of the Sevilla fans. So like I don't know if you know, there was like the Roma side, and then there was the Sevilla side. But mm-hmm. and then like in the second tier part of the Sevilla fans, uh, like stopped, and there were the Roma fans. Um, and that's where I was, so very close to the Sevilla fans. But everyone was well behaved. It was it was actually nice. And uh, the good thing is that we could see um, the Roma, the Roma curve and the like Fili della Lupa stuff, which mm-hmm. is nice. And I also had a good uh, opportunity to observe the difference in the way the Italians, or rather the Roma fans and the Sevilla fans, um, do tifos. Um, like the Roma fans love their like colored plastic papers to do like text, um, and yeah. we love our flares which we threw all on the on the pitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Sevilla fans like la- like to gesture a lot with their arms. So like even during the anthem, apart from like raising the scarf, they like bow down at certain points, and like they just shake their hands up and like create the atmosphere that way it was a very different way of how to do like support do you think, do you think they bow down to munchie uh, <laughs> maybe they do i'm sure we don't <laughs> all i took out of this out of the europa league match was there was two bald frauds that day one was munchie and one was the ref so, speaking of ref, uh, how how did how did the fans take what was going on? Where was was there like dissatisfaction among the Sevilla fans, or were they like, "Holy shit, we have an additional player on our team"? Or how how did it look? Um, again, so, so as soon as we missed the penalty, I was out. So I have no idea what the Sevilla fans said. But as soon like 
while I was walking out, immediately the feeling was that we were robbed. So all these people who were like, Ah, oh, Mourinho, it's because of Mourinho Rose, we were robbed. Like, I was walking back to my accommodation, everyone was saying it was robbed. Everyone was like, ah, oh, they stole it from us as usual, blah, blah, blah. So, no, like, everyone there was immediately say, seeing the difference, for example, in the yellow cards. Um, mm -hmm that were being given, let, let alone the handball, that was like way after. Mm -hmm. uh, but like everyone knew that, yeah, it wasn't going great from a referee point of view for us. From, and, uh, from the beginning. So what's your, what's your take on it? Because essentially people say, oh, we were robbed, you can't do that. Then some people say that basically UEFA knows what Jose is, what how he plays finals, how he plays cup games. Roma has a reputation of being this dirty team that does a lot of shithousery, so Ref kind of did his best to make sure that Roma doesn't. Whereas with Sevilla, yeah, he missed some yellow cards, but like Sevilla continued on to play football. In the second half, Roma played, played football, there was no shithousery. So in a way, Referee got the game to kind of be, I guess, equalish, like not about falling on the floor and rolling, and there was no escalation of uh, any conflicts. Uh, as for penalties, it's kind of like, okay, UEFA didn't want any penalties given to anyone for anything that could have even a tiny bit of asterisk, like, ah, the player was moving his arm away from the body or away from the ball. Uh, Ibanez did slightly maybe touch the ball, no penalty. Uh, Tammy did lower his head, so he got kicked, but he lowered his head, so no penalty, stuff like that. Like, where, where, where do you fall? Was it just unacceptable, or was it like, eh, whatever? It's a finals. I don't believe in this like grand conspiracy that UEFA against Roma, Mourinho, whatever. Um, I think mistakes were made. I think the mistakes were made in good faith. Like, I can see that, for example, in, I don't know if it was in stoppage time, but before Spinazzola came off, um, he made two tackles, and I'm like, a bit late, a bit clumsy, you know, when the player is tired, and uh, he gets passed, and he just hooks whoever mm. passed him. And I'm like, like, dude, you did two in like five minutes, and you're on a yellow card, like, I would have sent you off. Like, the, the same, like, we were getting <laughs> carded for those, um, in the first half so like I can see that like there were like mistakes both ways I think to me though the penalty not even going to look at it at VAR like even carding Pellegrini for a dive and then the Sevilla uh, I forgot who it was uh, got a penalty and then it got like overturned by VAR and I'm like if it, you're overturning it then it's a dive then you should also card him Again, I, I don't subscribe to this grand theory of UEFA, Mourinho, or whoever. Um, the ref was just shit, right? But I think, yeah, he was shit, and I think he penalized us more than he had So. Yeah, yeah, kind of. There was like a moment of um, Mancini gets a yellow card, and three minutes later, or something like that, he... I can't remember if it was Lamela that he fouled. He fouled somebody from... Or sorry, he got fouled by somebody from Sevilla. And as he's falling to the ground, he slightly pulls the player. And I'm thinking, if Mancini is not on the yellow card, he completely like just 
tackles the player to the ground as well and starts fighting him. Like, that's that's machining 100%. Nope, this was just... He fell slightly pulled Sevilla player, got up, kicked the ball to a teammate, kept playing. Like, no, nothing happened, no escalations, nothing. It was just calm. It was a whatever. And I'm thinking, like, if that's not a yellow card, he would have probably got a red card on that one. He would have fucking fired up. So... It felt like maybe, yeah, they were trying to control the game that way, but it's kind of undeniable that they were just breaking the rules as we know them. Like, for the record, I would never give penalty for that handball, by the way. Like, he's clearly trying to move it away from the play. Except it's in 99.99% of cases, it's a penalty nowadays. There is, it doesn't matter what you're trying to do. You have you see the one in the FA Cup? Uh yeah, I saw that some more, talks. That was, that was less egregious, but yeah. Yeah, 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 and that uh, it's 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 a whatever, but I maintain that as long as we have Jose Mourinho as a coach, we are absolutely never going to have benefit of the doubt of any referee in the world. That's just not going to happen. Because every game is just all about referee. Referee did this. He said this to me. He said this about my players. He came to me and told me that my family all has cancer. Like, dude. Like, you can't fucking go to war with referees every single game and expect to have a whistle. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it would be nice if, as much as I like a bit the mentality of everyone of the game stuff, I think a bit we can benefit from toning it down a bit. Like, even, even just to reduce the amount of yellow cards that Mancini gets. Like, even if that's the only benefit we get in a season, that would help us. So if we tone it down just a little bit and be like play a bit nice, um, I think overall it'll be a bit better and a, a bit more liked by the referees. Let's put it that way. So for those who listen to our podcast, and there is probably five people, uh, including my mom, everyone will know that I hey, don't think. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Everyone will know that I don't think Roma did anything right this season. And not a single fucking thing. But Mancini's progress is one of the things I like to talk about. He has gone from a player who gets a yellow card and immediately gets a red. Like, there is, it fires him up. Nowadays, he gets a yellow and just starts playing football. Like, he just calms down and that's it. He's like the best player on the pitch once he gets a yellow. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's Jose's effect. I don't know if whatever. He needs to get a yellow card, and then he just plays immaculate defense. So, yeah, I guess it's not great to amass those, but at the same time, I don't know. I don't know if he needs it or what. So, where did you go? Where did you go after the game? Did you just go back straight to the hotel, or was it like a... I slept. Like a, oh, okay. So there was no like um, Roma fans sitting in thousands in a square and crying or something like that? So, as far as I know, um, for a lot of the like fans who got the ticket from the Roma website, uh, they actually organize your flight there. You arrive a few hours before the game, you go to the game, and you fly back or get a train back, whatever it is. Uh, because there were a lot of like announcements being like, especially in the fan zone, being like for those that have um, traveled back to Rome, but like. 2am, please make sure you're in the like right zone, but no, I don't think, I don't think there was like a collective cry. They cried on the train. Uh, but that's interesting actually, that I, I never imagined what it would be like if you go to a game, like just seeing Roma fans pacing up and down the stadium nervously. That's interesting. What was the reaction of the guy next to you when we conceded? When Manchi uh, who was it, Mancini that scored on goal? 
Mancini scored all the Mancini. goals. <laughs> <laughs> Except yeah, the no. fucking penalty. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, normal disappointment. Like, being like, a, a lot of Roman swear words, you know, but it's normal. Not, nothing out of, not of, nothing out of the ordinary. Right. So, Mal, what's your what's your take on the season? What do you what do you think about Roma so far? Um, how do you see the season? Is it a failure? Is it a expected? Is Jose supposed to leave? Who's at fault for results or a lack of results? What do you what's your what's your takes? It's hard. I mean, if the goal was Champions League football in next season, then you can't but call it a failure um, because you didn't reach a goal. It's that simple. You know, like, we got really close, but at the end of the day, you didn't reach your goal. Now, who is at fault? I don't know. It's, it's really tough. It's really tough. Like, if you look at the transfer market last year, so like Pinto's first year, we got a lot of not great players. I mean, okay, Abraham, one good season, one not great season. Shomurodov has already been, like, he's at Spezia now. Vinya has already at Bournemouth. Patricio... Okay, good, not bad. Uh, Reynolds is like not even a thing anymore. And then in January, he's, we he's like... lighting it up. He's lighting it up in Belgium. He actually might come back to Roma as a, as a legit player. Like, I'm reading he's one of the best players in Belgian league, which has picked up in quality lately. So, I heard not... he's doing well. Yeah. But again, like, till now, he's not been effective. So, like, and then in January, we had Sergio Oliveira and Maitland Nile. So, like, were there. Oh, my God. Oh my yeah, god, so like, I forgot those When days. you look at that, when you look at that, half the players or more are not there anymore. There's like Abraham and Rui Patricio, who can be considered like success, maybe, kind of, depends on your definition of success. And again, but, but I, I, or at least in my opinion, it's a but, if you look at this year's transfers, like to me, if like when we got him, I'm like, we got Belotti. Like he's definitely going to score ten goals this season. Like he's good enough to score ten in the league, right? And he gets zero. You have Dybala. Okay, he played well. We knew his fitness is not the best. You get Kamara, who had this like buyout fee, whatever, which we didn't want to, which we didn't want to trigger because, in my opinion, he played well in the first half of the season. Like, Vijnaldum was arrived basically on par with Dybala. Like, these are your two big players. And we lose him for more than half the season, essentially. So, like, for me, it feels a bit like, yeah, finally we got the transfers right. But then, then they didn't perform. Right? They didn't make that extra step, especially with Vijnaldum and uh, Belotti. So, the season was a failure. I... I am not one of those who attributes this failure to Mourinho. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I think I think your rant at the very start of the of the podcast was a bit one-sided. Like under no circumstances would we have ever gotten the ball had we not had Mourinho. I still believe that with a Fonseca-style manager or whoever, we would have never won the Conference League, uh, which maybe is not the most important trophy, but at least it's a trophy. Um, mm-hmm. If we look at the Coppa Italia and we say, ah, we got out to Cremonese, like you said, we had, uh, I think, got out to Spezia with six subs, right? So yeah. it's not like we had been doing well in the Coppa Italia. So, and I mean, people like to say, ah, but Mourinho earns six million a season. I'm like, dude, that's like 
three more than Fonseca would have earned. That's three million with a turnover, like an income, whatever, of well over 300 million. That's like 1%. Like, I don't yeah. care that Mourinho gets six and Fonseca gets three. If Mourinho can get me the bala, then it paid off. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think for me, Pinto has to be called into question more than Mourinho. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes, that makes sense. On. I mean, yeah, sorry. So you said that Pinto has to get called into question more. Do you think that's why they brought in uh, the new CEO to take a little bit off of his plate? Because he had the CEO title and he was like unofficially the director of sport. But now he has a more relegated role. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, like to me, I can't. I find it hard to see the 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 like utility of staff members beyond like the management and coaching team like before i don't know who remembers we used to have baldissoni and the tacopina like the 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 handball guy with slick hair and i'm like are they doing a good job like i don't know like i i can't really say if they're doing a good job or not the only guys i can say are doing a good job are are, are, or are a shit job by the players, the management team, and maybe the director sportivo. But like, I, I don't know. I like, I, I can't really say if the CEO is doing a good job. Pinto um, supposedly it, has an amazing uh, network of scouts all over the world, and especially when it comes to youth players. So apparently, Roma has kind of gone away. If you've noticed the Primavera lineups, they're less. Roman and more international nowadays. So that's kind of what they're focusing on. Ironically, the players that have been added to the team this season from the youth team were what Zalewski, Bove, Misori, and I'm forgetting. Tahirovic. Okay, he's he's the <laughs> he's the get uh from Pinto, I think. But like he's the only one, I think. Who was the kid from Australia slash Rome? Volpato. Like he's also a Roman kid. He's not a yeah. he's not a get from Pinto, I think. So it's still kind of heavily Roman focused, but we kinda seem to have a lot of prospects coming in from around the globe that might turn into something. Um But yeah, I, I agree. Like how how do you how do you weigh what Pinto is doing? Because we don't we don't know. He wasn't the CEO before that, but like apparently we fired the CEO and brought in an actual CEO. So was the previous one a suit? And now we have an actual like I don't know. It's it's hard, but um, I do agree that transfers were kind of on and off. Same with Sabatini. Sabatini had amazing gets, but he he remains this mythical being who never made a mistake. Well, <laughs> Ibarbo and Dumbia and uh, similar names were... Uh, it would be. <sighs> Karma. But, yeah, I don't know. Um... I, mean, I, I think I think Mourinho's request of having a strong personality beside him is not unwarranted. Like, if you look at Juve, for example, uh, they, or at least historically, had, for example, the figure of Nedved, and also back when Conte days, they also had Marotta. You know, both would speak up alongside the manager. Um, and I, I think this is like, even if you look at Milan, you have Maldini, uh, you have, what's his name? The guy who was with us, I think Masara. And then you have the manager. Um, I, I, while I fully understand the Friedkin's position of being quiet, I do think that 
someone representing the management side, someone representing the sporting side, which could be Pinto, alongside the manager in doing interviews and defending the club, doesn't seem to be an illogical request. But wasn't that Jose? Isn't it when Jose came that he was like, I am, they they hired me for way more than just coaching. Like, wasn't he actually saying that he's brought there for more than just being a coach, if I remember correctly, right? So what what is Jose's role on the team? Is he the, the advisor and the kind of GM, the guy who goes and calls people and says, hey, you want to come to Roma? Well, I'll have Pinto figure out the paperwork. <laughs> like, what is Jose's role then, right? I don't know. Well, he's meant to be the one who works the closest with the with the team, or like the head coach or the manager. I don't exactly know his position, but he's the technical person who reports to, in this case, Pinto. And I think there should be someone by the Friedkins, uh, assigned by the Friedkins, who can be the new CEO, can be someone else. Uh, because it's always like Massara takes care of transfers, Maldini... Also takes care of a bit of transfers, but it's more on a um, like managerial role. If you look at Juve, you had Marotta, who is like the DS, and you had uh, Nedved, who was Andy would also have Agnelli in Juve. Um, with Inter, they used to have Zanetti speak a lot, um, and now, so. Lazio have Iglitare as much as I don't appreciate him. It's still some sort of a face. Yeah, he, he's like the technical side, um, yeah. and and yeah, Lotito likes to speak a lot. So I think I think Mourinho's request is not is not unreasonable. And to be honest, if that's from in my opinion, if that's the only thing you need for him to stay, like, and the the names being mentioned that I read are Totti and Boniek. So I wouldn't be Totti. against either of them. Boniek, I remember from was he. Oh my God! Was he the the one one of the coaches in the famous season where we had four coaches in? It was it was Conti. No. It was Mandelli, no, uh, Mandelli, Bruno Conti, yes. and Rudy Valverde. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! That was that was my Bonnet. favorite season of all. Bonnet has a position with the Polish FA, if yeah. I recall. So, might be difficult, but he's also the UEFA vice president. Perfect. Help us. Get him. <laughs> get him. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking get him. Roma is just uh, automatically in Champions League every year, right? No. Um, interesting. But I mean, on, on P- I don't think Pinto's gone. Like there are these rumors that Pinto might go, but the fact that um, it seems like we've have these for Arwar. How do you say the Leon oh, guy's name? Yeah. And Indica yeah, yeah. means that. He's already worked, like, I don't think he'll terminate his contract now, like, when he's already almost got those two deals over the line. Um, so, yeah, I think we're stuck with Pinto for one more season, or we have Pinto for one more season. Um, and if we can confirm Mourinho, then we can actually start looking to next season, so. So, do you think that Jose actually does report to Pinto, or is that kind of like, I'm gonna do whatever and you're just a Pinto? No. And of course, there's communication. There definitely is communication. Uh, like, whether he reports to Pinto officially, I mean, at the end of the day, Pinto will hire or fire Mourinho. But in reality, Mourinho is speaking with uh, both Dan and Ryan Friedkin and Pinto and the CEO because they're just that senior. But officially, 
every uh, Pinto's head of like the technical, so all players technically report to Pinto. And plus, I think it's more of a formality than anything. So you think that Pinto can just go and be like, "Hey, Jose, Mario, Dos Santos, Mourinho, Felix, can you please stop getting red cards every single game?" And when you don't, can you please stop sending Fati to get red cards for you? They stopped yeah. sending Fati. They started sending all the other guys. <laughs> yeah. I've never in my life seen a physio get a fucking red card. What is that? <laughs> yeah, apparently Karstorp <laughs> got a yellow card in the final as well. And everybody in the stadium was like... Minister. What? Karstorp? Where did he come from? <laughs> that is amazing. Just the Karstorp on, on crutches just running into the pitch fucking to, to yell at the referee. Oh, beautiful. Like, there was apparently a chance that he would play, but uh, he, he he didn't recover in time. Um, so, you're you're saying you want Jose to stay at least one more year. Would you keep him more than that, or just be like, okay, let's see out your contract, and that's it? I don't think that in our current state, we can get anyone who is remotely as good as Mourinho. So I would keep him until we can get someone better. Like I mean, people who are like, ah, oh, yeah. Like f- so, first of all, for me, none of these like Italiano or De Zerbi or whatever are going to be even close to Mourinho. Like they said that about Di Francesco. They said that about Luis Enrique. And to me, none are even close. Even Luis Enrique with all his trophies. Are close to so. I, I have I have no respect for Luis Enrique's trophies. That Barcelona team could have coached itself, honestly. Like <laughs> they didn't need a coach. Like what? He went from Roma and not being able to teach players how to string three passes together, and pra- like that was in the middle of his speech about Tiki Taka and making Roma play Tiki Taka, to going to Barcelona where he had fucking what Messi, Neymar, Suarez. Like, dude, you don't need a coach. Just go out and play and win games. That's it. Yeah, and, and, and like, let's see who, we, like, if we think about who we had since we had the American ownership, we had Luis Enrique, Zeman, Andrea Zoli, who was after that, Spalletti, maybe? Rud- no, Rudy Garcia. Rudy Garcia, um, and then Spalletti, I guess? And I think it was Rudy Garcia, Spalletti, Ren- uh, Ranieri, yeah? No, 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 it was Ebbie Di Francesco, Ranieri, and then Fonseca. Ah, yeah, of course. Like, who? Like, you look at those. That's over what a ten-year period. You look at those. Like, that's the level of management of managers that we can attract. Like, which of those would you be like? Yeah, that that's the type of person uh, manager that I want who's better than Mourinho. Like, to me, there, there is nothing there. I would, I would love Spalletti. I would. He he conquered Rome. He knows how to deal with the media. He knows how to deal with the pressure. He doesn't care. All the spotlight, spotlights are on him, and he wants that because he wants to take the spotlights off of the players. He enjoys that, and not many managers can handle that. Jose does, but in a different way. Can I can I do uh, take us on a small tangent about Mourinho communication? The guy is a master, and no one can convince me otherwise. Because, as everyone knows, Ibanez is not the most well-liked person in Rome for all his brain farts this season and last season and whatever. And the second I saw him step up to the penalty, I was like, if this guy misses it, like, I'm sorry for him and his family. Right? And somehow <laughs> we, we managed to not even mention the fact that 
Ibanez, who is already like a Lazio darling because of all his mistakes in the derby, was like not criticized in the slightest. While in any other club where you don't have Mourinho and they have a normal manager, the guy would be ripped to shreds and you'd see articles of like, Ibanez, it's done, Ibanez, go home, and like insults. And I'm not saying these are justified. I'm saying that for all his, uh, for all the like criticism and the way Mourinho handled the refereeing situation, he managed to put the spotlight away from Mancini, who scored an own goal and missed a penalty, and the Barnett, who missed a penalty, onto the ref. And the two players got away scot-free. Again, I don't mean that they deserve any abuse at all, but for me, the, the, the like way how to manage to get the spotlight of those two vulnerable players, for me, is like... Incredible. Yeah, yeah, we know we know what would have happened. I mean, so okay, that's a good point. I never thought of that. That's that's actually brilliant. But then a question comes to mind: Why couldn't Jose do this with Zaniolo and with Ricarstorp? Why did he come out to the media and just accuse Ricarstorp of betraying the club and becoming enemy number one and saying you can just leave the club in October? What 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 the hell was that? Uh, it, it, it's hard to understand and know what happens in the background. I, from what I read, the Karstorp situation was degenerating week after week after week. Um, late for training, answering back, and all that stuff. From what I read, again, these are rumors from what I read. And it got to a point where, I don't know, like he got subbed in, did fuck all, and Mourinho was like, fuck this, I'm actually done with you. Uh, which I think was still a mistake. Like, what you do with January was coming, you sell him quietly, or the World Cup was coming, something like that. You sell him quietly, um, and, like, no one knows a thing about it. I think that would have been the smarter way to go about it. With Zaniolo, I don't really remember many times where Mourinho um, threw him under the bus, except when it was clear that the guy wanted to leave. Like, he, he, his head was away from Rome. Because what I remember is, uh, as you said at the start of your rant, um, Pinto was like, yeah, Mourinho is going to be, uh, Mourinho, Zaniolo is going to be our, like, everything's going to revolve around the Zaniolo, great, great player, and the start of next season when we got the Bala, everybody was, like, riding the formations and being like, hmm, how can we have Abraham, Pellegrini, Zaniolo, Dybala, all on the same team, like, People really, like, defended the guy, but, yeah, I, I don't think he liked or loved Roma as much as we liked or loved him. His head was always, ah, oh, but maybe eventually I go to Milan or I go to Real Madrid or whatever he wanted, so. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's just that my problem with that is, I was saying in the beginning of the season that Rick Arstor was by far our hardest working player. He was sprinting nonstop for 90 minutes before he got before that happened, and then no, actually, I'm sorry, before he got injured, and last season as well, he was just sprinting nonstop. Zaniolo was also just giving his best, so I was having an issue with everyone. Like back when you know when all of the players were kind of equal for me, there was you know when Jose came, everyone was kind of on the same level of judgment. I was like, Karsdorp is fucking amazing. He's screwing up defensively sometimes, but he makes up for it. He happens so often that he makes. A uh, an opposing attacker just go to the goal line and make nothing out of it. Either takes the ball or um, forces a really bad cross that we deal with easily. 
And then the Milan games happened, and Rafael Leao just destroys Karsdorp. And everyone's like, holy shit, this guy's bad. But Rafael Leao is one of the best players in the world. Show me a right back that doesn't suffer <laughs> against him. But the the problem with, with that that I had was, it's our two hardest working players. Aren't you supposed to talk them down and not try to kick them out? I don't know. Does that mean that Jose just likes players who are loyal to him and cannot work with anyone who talks back? Or is that normal? I'm not even sure of what I'm saying anymore. Is it a normal thing that you can't work with players who talk back? Most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure of which man has ever embarked.